went down to the river Jordan, where John baptized three. When I woke the devil in hell, says Johnny baptized me. Hello and welcome to the filmpulse.net podcast. This is episode number 93. My name is Adam. With me today we have Kevin. How are you, Kevin? I'm doing okay. Good, good. Uh, today we'll be going over some of what we've been watching before jumping into a feature review of Steve McQueen's 12 Years a Slave. And finally, we'll be covering this week's movie predictions, new on video on demand, and DVD and Blu-ray releases. Kevin, I think we'll start it with you this week. What have you been watching? I started my week out with Francis Ha. Oh. That's, uh, that came to play instant on Netflix, which is sort of odd considering that it was released on Criterion. And I didn't think Criterion allowed their films on Netflix anymore. It might be one of those weird, like, dual dual distribution things or something. But it's odd, because I don't even think that it's on Hulu, which is where all of Criterion's stuff is. I don't know. It's odd. But anyway, Francis Ha. It, it feels like Wes Anderson and Noah Baumbach, for a time there, were just having sleepovers and watching French New Wave films. Mm-mm. For like a year or so, because Wes Anderson went out and made Moon, Moonrise Kingdom, which felt a lot like uh, Young Lovers on the Run style Godard, but twee. And Baumbach's Francis Ha feels like like a mixture of Varda, Truffaut, and Chambrel. And I gotta say that I, I liked it a lot. This was just a nice, lighthearted, entertaining film. Just New York City, absolutely loved it. The, mm-hmm. the the black and white cinematography I thought was perfect, especially that uh, that one sequence where she's like di- running down the street and pirouetting through the crosswalks mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. to uh, David Bowie and it, the, just the way that they set that up. Oh, you know the camera sitting on the back of a vehicle and it's looking out over the city and then just slightly tilts over to her and then just tracks her up the street i thought it was just fantastic uh the only thing is is bombach makes the same film just over and over and over again about young people not knowing what the fuck to do with their life which is okay in the beginning but the guy's like 40 something now and it's like, I'm pretty sure that that well is dry now. It should be. But the funny well, thing is, is he's actually making films that are watchable now. Because I, I can't stand him. But his last two films, this and Greenberg, I actually quite liked. And Gr- Greenberg was more about a, a middle-aged man. Kind of yeah. almost like a midlife crisis situation. Yeah, where he didn't really have a life to begin with. So, <laughs> no, he didn't. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> And the, the, yeah, this is Greta Gerwig having a, a midlife crisis at 27. Yeah, but I In think there. that yeah, I think a lot of people <laughs> find his movies to be relatable, and I think that that I, has, yeah, yeah. that's a big draw. Like I can see myself in Francis Ha, and I can see myself in Greenberg too. Like there's the, just these personality I, I, quirks, yeah. you know. I see myself more in Greenberg. More in Greenberg, Francis, absolutely. Francis Ha, <laughs> the, the the people in Francis Ha, all the characters, I just I hated every single one of them. I just I I hated I, all their faces and everything that they said. Fucking guy talking about buying vintage Ray Bans on eBay. Fucking well, working on a screenplay for Gremlins three. I was just like, shut the fuck up, man. But I, th- I think that that's kind of how it was supposed to be, though. It was supposed to be. I, I really hope ridiculous. that that's what it was. It had come on. I really it hope that they were be. making fun of them. I hope they weren't like, hey, these guys, these guys are pretty cool, right? Uh, God, I, think I that hope it, not. I think that all of that stuff played as as a joke. At least I took it like that. I mean, I I was able to see this in the theater and. Everybody in the theater was laughing. I really wish I got to see it in the theater. I mean, honestly, it's just it's a good time. Yeah. But it's it, but in a in a slightly smart way. Yeah, I agree. It's not very heady, you know. No, no, not at all. Plus, it's got enough, uh, you know, like Duff of the Caps to like cinema to Mm -hmm. give you to give the enough to appease the cinephiles. Yep. I enjoyed it immensely. It might, it might make my top 10 at the end of the year. It's, uh, I'm pretty sure it's going to be on my top 10. Almost I, positive. I think I think it's going to. Um, another film that I watched was Gamora. If you remember this film from 2008. I do. This is one that I've been like, 
I never, I just haven't gotten around to seeing it. I've never been in the right mindset to check this one out. You, you know what the funny thing is? Is when this film came out in 2008, I was just yeah. so fucking excited to Me see too. this film. Yeah. And I, it, it probably wasn't actually 2008. This was probably one of those, and we talk about it all the time. It was probably a film that came out at like Cannes or something. Right. And I was just so enthusiastic about it. But by the time it made it stateside, which is probably like a year and a half, two years later, I just, I forgotten about it by that time. Because another 130 movies came out then that I'm mm-hmm. so interested in. So I honestly just completely have forgotten about it until I came across it on Netflix. This is also Play Instant. And I was like, oh shit, Gamora. Yeah, let's do this. And you definitely have to see it. I this, know. This is, is Italian Mafia... Like the mo- it, a realistic depiction. Yeah, I was just gonna say it's like the real Italian yeah. mafia. This right? is all grit. It's just it takes place in the ghettos, and it's just relentless in its bleakness and its brutality. There's no uh, glorifying. There's no romanticizing the mafia. You know what I mean? It's it's mm-hmm. it's true to life. It feels like it, it. It feels almost too real when you're watching it. Like, it just has this intimate documentary feel to it. Like, there's a, just a group with cameras just following these guys around as they kill people. <clears throat> but it's sort of, I think it's, I want to say like four or five stories, just like interwoven, sort of dealing with different facets of the, the mafia and sort of showing you that they have their hands in everything. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it's exceptional. It's an unbelievable film highly recommend it it does it does uh drag at certain points it gets a little tedious and slow but overall solid film definitely worth checking out yeah uh, i i definitely do want to see it and then another film that i saw that will probably make more than likely make my top 10 at the end of the year is a hijacking the danish somali pirate film mm-hmm. before captain phillips came along and ruined everything the Danes were into it before it was cool. We, we were into hijacking before it was cool, okay? That's right. Go out and watch Kapringen. I'm pretty sure that's exactly how you pronounce it. In <laughs> Danish. Kapringen. Uh, this is by Tobias Lindholm. And again, I, apparently just uh, foreign films didn't get the memo that you're supposed to over-sensationalize these films and turn them into melodramas. Because, again, this, much like Gamora, it's just a realistic depiction of a hijacking by Somali pirates on a Danish cargo ship. And it's actually exquisite storytelling. I mean, they do it perfectly. So you have the crew on board with the Somali pirates. And then at the same time, you have back at the corporate offices, the CEO and a, you know, like a team of, of from his board and they actually hire like an outside negotiator expert to come in and help them out. So it, it goes back and forth between those two settings as they work on these negotiations. What's I last, if I can remember correctly, it was like 136 days or something like that. <clears throat> and it just, the way that they, they unravel the entire story, it just, it works so perfectly. Like there's a scene where, um, the Somali pirates call the CEO and they're, you know, they're trying to work out a number and everything. And they say that they're going to start killing crew members if they don't up their price because the, the CEO is just lowballing the shit out of these guys with his numbers. And there's some gunshots and then the phone just dies. But the, the nice thing is, is that Lindholm keeps the camera and the story at the corporate offices. So it sort of puts you in this mindset where you're like the CEO. You don't know if they actually killed any of the crew members. And he's just, you know, he's sitting there just in anguish about how he handled the situation. The mistake that he made might have killed someone, mm-hmm. caused someone's death. And just they, and they draw it out for so long. And you're just sitting there like, I, what the fuck happened? Mm. What happened? Get back to the ship. It's just the perfect pacing to everything. <clears throat> and it... The thing that also helps this film out a little bit, at least for me anyways, is unlike Captain Phillips, 
a hijacking. I don't know how this story ends. Right. I don't. I don't know what happens. I mean, I remember when that when this did happen, and I was just you know like read the headline, and that was it. So I was deeply invested into you know on the edge of my seat. It's very gripping, and the performances are fantastic as well. Everyone does an outstanding job. Now I will be interested to see how this compares with Captain Phillips. I plan on watching this soon. I highly recommend it. I mean, but it is. I would assume that you're probably going to see Captain Phillips because you know it's going to be nominated. Oh yeah, yeah. For some Oscars. Oh yeah. Oh, I know that. This I, I'm almost certain. I'm. I mean, I'm at ninety-nine point nine percent certain that this film is leaps and bounds better than Captain Phillips. Hmm. I mean, it so, might have not. It might not have the sensational ending that Captain Phillips has. I mean, you can't really beat that. Yeah. Well, we'll see. But I think that just the way that the, the, the subject matter here was handled was just, it was done perfectly. Yeah. So I, I highly recommend a hijacking. And then I watched one other film called Century of Birthing. <laughs> I've been wanting to watch a Lav Diaz film forever. And by ever, I mean three to four years. Ever since I first learned about this guy, he's a Filipino director. And it, I feel like I was tricked into like selling Amway or something. Or whatever they call Amway nowadays. Because <laughs> when I first learned about this guy on Movie's website, it was, you know, oh, he's the greatest thing that ever happened to cinema. You can't find his films anywhere. I mean, they're all like 350 to 500 minutes long. It's unlike anything you've ever seen before in your life. The only way you can get them is to actually email the director himself and tell him what films you want. And he'll personally rip you DVDs. And send them to you and it costs like 80 bucks a dvd so i'm like oh shit this sounds awesome and i'm sure that you know if someone were there they would be like yeah this sounds sort of weird it's probably not that good and i'd be like no it's gonna be great so movie finally put one of his films up and they put a timeline it was only up until the 14th of november so i had a very short window to watch a six-hour movie and i wish i didn't Long story short, I mean, it's so long that I, I'm so happy that I get to say this because I was literally 29 when I started this film, and when I finished it, <laughs> yes. I was 30. <laughs> I'm not even fucking kidding. I aged that much. The, I, I felt like I was held prisoner because by the time that I got to the point where I was like, I don't like this movie, he has nothing to say, this is boring, the camera work is terrible. It's just empty ruminations about art and cinema and belief systems and all this shit. I was like almost three hours in. So I'm like, well, shit, I'm already invested. I got to finish this thing. Plus, there was a part of me that was like, maybe it'll come together. (laughs) Maybe something will happen. Maybe, but it doesn't. It's just, it's, I'm sorry, but it's god awful. It's like three stories. There's one story where it's a filmmaker who pretty much his name's Homer but he's pretty much Lav Diaz and he's a, he's working on a film and he's just meeting with friends doing interviews talking about art and cinema and all this other stupid shit where he has nothing good to say about anything and he just can't finish his film because it just it does it's not as artistic as he wants it to be and he doesn't make films for for art for uh film festivals he makes it for cinema Mm. so you gotta put up with this guy's shit for so long and then also they'll show clips from the movie that he's working on so it'll sort of dig into another layer that you give absolutely no shit about and then there's another storyline where it's like a christian cult like out in the rural countryside and one of the things about them is they sing this fucking song all the time, and it's a pretty long song. It's like their theme song. Um, and they do it like three or four times throughout the film, which, sure. But at, the, at, at a certain point, that you just realize that it's filler because it's six hours long. There's no reason for this thing to be six hours long. But every time that they sing this song, they sing the whole song. And you just sit there and watch them sing the whole song again. And you didn't like it the first time. You don't like it the second time, nor the third or fourth time. It just gets worse (laughs) and worse. 
I like how you say it's filler on a movie that's six out nearly six hours long. Well, the whole it's film's al- the whole film's almost filler, man. I mean, it's crazy. It, it consists of like long shots, long takes, which I like. Okay, I love long takes, but when your long take consists of like four minutes of a guy just sitting, like that's all he does for four minutes, and the camera doesn't move; it just watches him sit. He might shuffle about a little bit, but he just sits there for four minutes straight. And then it'll cut to another long take where the camera's just sitting there on an empty street and a character just appears as a speck and then walks up to the street towards the camera and then walks past and then cuts to the next scene. And you're like, are you fucking kidding me? Six hours of this. Yeah, definitely not. (laughs) I'm definitely going to skip that one. Yeah, skip it. That's not even his longest. No, it's not. There's one here. It's like 590 minutes. I know. What? I mean, I'm sorry. There's just no need for that shit. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting that because just this week, earlier this week, they announced that Lars von Trier relinquished Final Cut control off of Nymphomaniac to the producer, and they cut the movie down by an hour and a half. Did you read this? I I saw a little bit. Yeah, they, they cut an hour and a half of the movie because... It was it was like six hours long, I think, or maybe even longer. <laughs> and yeah. they they knocked it down to um, just about four hours. So, you know, like I think sometimes movies can be too long. I, I feel like you can get across what you're trying to get across, and it and it's not going to take six hours. Oh yeah, definitely. I I, I mean I, I feel I, like I can understand if if you're six hours if. If you if you have a lot to say, or if, you know you keep it interesting, but if you if you were to see Century of Birthing, like the long takes that I'm talking about, that's like eighty percent of the film, where it's just like people sitting for five minutes and then it's cut to nothing, cut to nothing, cut to nothing, and you're just like, why is this in here? Yeah, that's crazy. That would drive me nuts. I wouldn't be able to do that. Like yeah, like documentaries are one thing. Like I can understand why. A Ken Burns documentary is hours and hours long because, first of all, it's meant to be broken up into segments. You're not supposed to sit there and watch it all in, at once. Yeah, plus you and, have that wealth of information that yeah, you have and to get across. Exactly. And second, it, it covers such a large topic, whatever he's you know tackling, that sure, that warrants a long-ass documentary. But if it's a regular, just narrative film, I feel like the filmmaker the director should be able to get his his message across in less than six hours he should be should be able to and now there's one other thing that i did watch and this is a trailer and i just want to get your thoughts on it it's the new noah trailer initial uh, response from you initial response from me is not good i don't think it looks very good i think it looks like a pile of shit <laughs> uh, <laughs> this looks so fucking terrible yeah, I, I do not think it looks good at all. And the thing, I think that it's interesting because th- this came out before the trailer when, I guess it was a few weeks ago, they said that they were working on recutting parts of the movie because uh, they were testing it against religious groups. They were showing the, the film to religious groups and there were certain aspects of it that religious groups were finding problematic and the big thing was, in the original cut, Darren Aronofsky used fake animals. He used fictitious animals, like unicorns and creatures that don't exist in real life. Okay. And when the religious groups saw that, they got upset, and they ended up having to take out all the fantastical elements. <laughs> but, but really, if you think about it, though... Isn't doesn't isn't that going to change the entire message of the film or like the whole tone of the film? Because obviously he put those in there for a reason. He put those in there to show us that yeah, this is this is not real. <laughs> like this didn't happen in real life. It's just it's funny because as I was watching it, I I thought to myself, I think that this trailer is funnier than Evan Almighty. <laughs> like I honestly thought that it was funnier. Than Evan Almighty, it it looks like the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen. 
Yeah, unfortunately, I, I don't think it looks very good. I'm a huge fan of Aronofsky, but I man, think I don't, I don't I, know about I, that. I think this might be where I get off. Yeah, I think, <laughs> I, think I might agree. With this you. is this is my this is my stop on the Aronofsky train. Yeah, simply. Like, yep. Sorry, can't do it. Now maybe maybe he made the mistake of getting starting to do bigger budget movies. Maybe what, he just needs what, to go back. What was to, the budget that he had for this? It was something like outlandish, wasn't it? Too. It's yeah. It was huge. Why? Was huge. What the fuck is wrong with these people? I have no idea. I really don't know. It's gonna bomb. I can feel it. It, it could be. Uh, I think he did the fountain, and I'm pretty sure that that bombed too. Yeah, I'm almost certain that it's gonna bomb. Yep. Uh, well, on another note of watching things that aren't necessarily movies, did you see the the Wes Anderson short film? No, I didn't. I wanted to watch that today, and I didn't get a chance to. Oh yeah, you got you got to check that out. We have that up on the site. The uh, I can't remember the name of it, but it stars Jason Schwartzman. It's fantastic. He did it for Prada, but ah, okay. But it's it's great. It's like eight minutes. It's eight minutes of pure Wes Anderson, and you will love it. Yes, you had me at Wes Anderson. Yeah. All right. Well, I only saw a few things because I actually just got back from New Orleans for my birthday, so I had a really good time there. Oh, but happy as a result. I didn't really get to watch anything at all. I did see How I Live Now, which is currently playing on demand. And this is kind of the latest, one of the latest young adult adaptations. Kind of the big difference about this one is that it's rated R, first of all. So there's a lot of foul language, a lot of violence, which which is kind of weird for a young adult based on a young adult book series. But the thing that really got me is that it's your typical love story. You know, this girl meets this guy and they fall for each other. But then the 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 country goes to war and all of a sudden they're being invaded by enemy combatants. They never say which country's invading them. Mm -hmm. And then it's kind of like a fight for survival. They have to just make it through, make it through. But here's the clincher. They're cousins. That's the clincher. They fall in love. There's a there's a an extended like sex scene with them, so we know they're doing it. They're cousins. <laughs> and I'm not sure. Sh- like I'm not sure if this is something that's discussed in in reviews a lot for this movie, but I just can't seem to get past the fact that they're cousins. <laughs> first cousins not they're not like distantly related or anything do they know this going in yeah they know it she goes the the whole plot is do they meet at a family reunion well so (laughs) here's how it here's how it happens so it's a joke she's she's american and the the star is a source of ronin she's american she goes to stay with her aunt and her cousins in england and this dude is one of her cousins and they fall in love and then the war breaks out and they get split up she thinks he's dead yeah this is made by the guy that made the last king of scotland yeah it's uh the cinematography is really good in it uh it's got that kind of gritty look to it almost like a hunger Games style if you remember how that looked so don't make me vomit no 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 that's uh-huh. that was gonna be what i said after was there's no there's no like serious shaky cam to the point of you wanting okay. to just fall over and how yeah. is uh just looking here how's the the music i don't really recall the music too much okay because it says john hopkins i wonder if that's the the uh instrumentalist could be. I, I really don't remember the music the, at all. The electronica artist, whatever the hell you call that music nowadays. I do remember the. I do remember the opening scene of the film is done really well. Looks really good, and it's awesome. Like the way that they do the credits at the beginning. It's really mm. cool. So you know, I I wouldn't say it's a recommend. I didn't really like it that much because it was so ridiculous. Like there were certain aspects of it that you're just like, give me a break. And she is such a bitch at the beginning of the movie. Like, you just hate everything about her. She's so mean to everybody around her. And you're just like, all right, 
I cannot deal with this. But then, of course, she does like a complete 180 when she falls in love and has sex with her cousin. Uh, that's all you need. Sometimes that's all you need. You just have to have sex with your cousin, fall in love with your I cousin, think so. everything's okay. I think that's what it boils down to. Is that, it's just, is that what they're, the message that they were trying to, to deliver? Do yeah. you think it's like a it's like a much less funny version of the Arrested Development, George Michael and Maybe relationship. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. Uh, so yeah, I don't really recommend it, but yeah, it sounds terrible. I gotta I be will, honest. Just I will say terrible. that it. I haven't seen many of these young adult movies, but it does seem to be a little bit better than most of them. I just love how every single young adult book. Or everyone that I hear about it is always about like some sort of end of the world type deal. Yeah, oh, yeah, and it's always a young girl that's the main character. And we also have that Divergent movie that's coming out that looks yeah. exactly like the Hunger and Games. And it's funny, like the only way they can get through it is if they find, you know, a man to fall in love with. <laughs> That'll just <laughs> they'll take care of everything. Just find yourself a man. Uh, anyway, one that I did see this week that I liked quite a bit was Shield of Straw, which is Takeshi Meike's new yes new one. This was different than I thought it would be. Not not in a good way necessarily, but not in a bad way either. It was just it was a lot different than I thought it would be. I knew the plot, so it's basically about a a man <laughs> who is wanted for killing a young girl, a seven year old girl, and turns out the grandfather of of the girl is extremely wealthy like multi-billionaire wealthy and he decides to he he has heart disease he's dying and his dying wish is to see the death of the man who killed his granddaughter so he puts up a bounty and says i'll give out a billion dollars to whoever kills this person and shows me proof Okay, so it's Japanese SWAT. Yeah, yeah. So basically, it involves, like, what happens is the guy turns himself in because he realizes that all of a sudden everybody's trying to kill him. So he turns himself in thinking that he'd have a better chance in police custody, but it turns out, of course, all the cops start trying to kill him too. Or mm. some of the cops. Yeah, that's and a good tension right there. So the whole the whole film is them trying to transport him from the police precinct to the the courthouse to the prosecutor, I guess, in order to ha- for him to have his trial. And they get a- they're getting ambushed at every turn. There's certain cops that are on their team that are double crossing them. So it's just kind of a a fun action movie, but th- it goes to some pretty dark places like you would expect with the Takeshi Miike movie not we're not talking Ichi the killer or anything like that it doesn't go it doesn't go that dark that's a bummer yeah but it is it is pretty violent and the the main character I think that it's um uh Nanako Matsushima I think it's the kid from well I know it's the kid from uh Battle Royale no, that's that's not the same one. No, I'm sorry, I said Tet- Tetsuya Fujiwara. Yeah, that's that's him. That's him. Main kid from Battle Royale, Battle Royale Two, Death Note, the live action Death Note movies. So I I like him a lot. Thing about him in this movie is that he is a son of a bitch. <laughs> he is a yeah. son of a bitch. <laughs> and that's kind of what I see. I thought, and I don't think I'm giving away any kind of big spoilers or anything, but I thought that. The whole plot was going to be that he was innocent and that they were trying to get away. And I'm not going to say what happens, but uh, it's just a lot different. He plays the different kind of character than I expected from the trailer. Okay. But okay. I do recommend it. But I, I kind of, as far as Mieke's stuff, it's not on the, the higher end. It's more of kind of middle of the road. There's nothing yeah. amazing about it, but it's still really fun. Gotcha. Uh, the only other one that I saw was A Return to Salem's Lot, directed by Larry Cohen and starring Michael Moriarty. That's all you need to know. We're done. <laughs> yeah. That is that is a solid recommend from the both of us. Go see that shit immediately. Uh, now, this isn't... It's not as fun as Q or The Stuff. No, so don't you say not, that. Don't you say that. It's not, it's not there, but it is... 
still really weird. It's just so weird. Basically, Michael Moriarty is he's divorced from his wife and his bratty son lives with his ex-wife and they his ex-wife basically dumps the kid off to Michael Moriarty and they end up going to stay in Salem's lot where their family they have a family home and turns out everybody in Salem's lot is a vampire and like they they want Michael Moriarty to write a biography about them and then they want to turn his son into a vampire. I think they also want to turn him into a vampire, but I'm not sure. That seems like a good deal. <laughs> and it's really weird. It's got this kind of goofy humor to it, it's similar to Cohen's other stuff, where the writing is just so off the wall. There's lines of dialogue where you're just like, what? <laughs> what did he just say? Because none of it makes any sense at all. But yes. This one's just a little too cornball. Like, it's a little too goofy. Yeah. But it's still it's still fun in a B-movie way. Just don't expect anything as ridiculous as Q or the stuff. I would say it's on the same level as... Was it they... Um, oh, it's... All, but, uh, it's Alive? Yeah. Yeah, the third yeah. It's Alive movie. It's, it's on, on par with that, the one with Mike, Michael Moriarty. Island of the Alive, it's called. So, I don't know. If if you're into the whole Cohen Moriarty thing, it's probably worth checking out. I did. I see that Samuel Fuller, the director Samuel Fuller, is in this. Yes, yes. Is Van Van Meer that Nazi Nazi killer? That is something that's that's one of the weird, interesting things about this movie. So they meet up with Sam Fuller, who is a Nazi hunter. He's he's trying to find this Nazi, and, it, and he ends up in Salem's lot, and he kind of just turns into a vampire hunter, where he's like, well, you know, hunting, hunting vampires is pretty much the same as hunting Nazis. <laughs> and he he is so weird. Like, he's got all these crazy one-liners and stuff, and he's just, uh, he's just a goofball. He's like a goofy old man. Oh, my goodness. That's amazing. Yeah, and and would, it says it also says Tara Reed. Now is that correct? Tara Reed. I don't. Tara uh, Reed. Maybe, maybe she was like a little girl in it or something. She must be. She must have been <laughs> one of the. Before her life went downhill. Yeah, I don't remember her. I wonder if that. Time. I wonder if that's her first first film. Maybe. Oh, it is. And then she followed it up with Saved by the Bell, the new class. Ooh, the new class. The best class. Yeah. No, that's the worst. Well, that's actually all I saw this week. Oh, shit. So. You should have done yourself a birthday treat and watched Century of Birthing. Yeah. That's how you kick off being 30. I don't think so. <laughs> all right, let's talk about 12 Years a Slave. This is directed by Steve McQueen, stars, and I apologize yes. in advance. Yes. I've been waiting all day for this. All day. Uh, Chiwetel Ejiofor? It wasn't as fun as I thought it was going to be. It, I don't know how close that is, but... Uh, Quavenjane Wallace, Taryn Killam, Scoot McNary, Brad Pitt, uh, Paul Giamatti, uh, Michael Fassbender, Paul Dano, Benedict Cumberbatch, Sarah Paulson. Huge number of people in this. Ridiculous number. Yeah. Yes. So... We have a review up. Ernie actually reviewed this for the site. He gave it a 9 out of 10. Kevin, we'll start with you. What did you think of 12 Years a Slave? Uh, I also went with a 9 out of 10. Me too, actually. I Oh, shit. We're all on the same page. Yep. I liked it a lot. I thought it was great. The performances are amazing, except for one. And I think everyone knows what the fuck I'm yep, talking about. I think everybody knows what you're talking about. I mean, holy shit, was that terrible. You're just going along and you're like, man, this is this is perfect. The performances are just uh, unbelievable. Everyone's nailing it. And then Brad Pitt pops up on the screen yeah. and opens his mouth and you're like, oh shit, what happened? Yeah. <laughs> what the f- How did... I mean, when McQueen's going over the footage, how does he go, well, that's just not going to work. <laughs> But I, I guess because Pitt's a producer, he had to like keep it in there. I guess that was a, a favor. 
that he had to do, unfortunately, because I mean he he sucked me out so yeah, quick. Yeah, what happened there? I don't understand that. I was just I was completely in this world. You know what I mean? Like I'm completely invested. I'm in there, and then he speaks words and just everything like i just quick zoom out just quick zoom out and i'm just sitting there like wait what the fuck is going on yeah what is happening right now and then visions in my head of that woman in a wheelchair just spinning around yes. <laughs> going what the hell is this what the hell is this oh god that's that's what happened. i love it yep that's um exactly how it was for me too i thought that everybody completely knocked it out of the park even in i mean there's some huge names in this movie that have very small parts like some yeah. some people are in it for such a brief amount of time but they all just you know completely kill it <laughs> and then Brad Pitt comes along in the final <laughs> third and you're just like what and i i mean i like Brad Pitt and he does a good job in certain uh, films oh yeah me too but what what the hell? What the hell happened here? I mean, fortunately, it's such a small, small role that it doesn't affect it too much. You can quickly get over it. But damn, what happened? Yeah. Well, let's let's step back because I think we're getting a little, well, the, little bit ahead of ourselves the, here. Yeah. Well, the other thing that 2013 has taught me is never trust Taron Killian. Never. <laughs> never trust that guy. Oh yeah, that that was kind of an, an odd thing. As soon as the two of them popped up, I mean, I knew they were both in it. I didn't know the roles though. I thought that that was interesting, interesting choice of casting for for those those two. Yes, I would agree. So basically, this this tells the true story of a, a man, a, a free black man in the north who gets kidnapped sent down to the south and ends up being a slave for wait for it 12 years 12 give or take basically it's the feel-good movie of the year yes i would say but no actually it was incredibly brutal <laughs> it is the, un ungodly brutal and it, it wasn't just the subject matter either it was the way in which the subject matter was shot there <laughs> are several scenes in this movie that are so incredibly unsettling and just make you want to just get up and run out of the theater and get in your car and drive home and get <laughs> get in bed and just lay there the forever yeah per, particularly the the one that well there were there were several that really affected me the one was the the shot where they uh attempted to hang him and jeez they oh, just left that the cam they just left the camera there for like five minutes and of him yeah, just standing it, you know trying to stand and everyone just goes on with their yeah, day and they're just in the background yeah, they're like hanging up that wash was, and they're just leaving him there yeah that was that was a great scene i love the way that mcqueen handled that yeah just sort of showing that he means absolutely nothing yeah i mean you know what i mean like he he's not a person Right, essentially, when it get, when it comes down to it, and I thought that that was a great way to sort of drive that point home. It was just and how they, yeah. they then they switch it, and he's just in the background, mm -hmm. still stay, still tiptoeing, just trying to stay alive. Yeah, and, and there are several scenes like that where the the camera just lingers and it just stays focused on something for a very long period of time, and it just makes everything feel uh, makes you feel so uneasy with everything and that was the one thing i liked a lot about this movie is that it was it does feel like a straight up oscar uh bait type movie where you know it's got the the hans zimmer score that's very uh oh don't even get me started with hans zimmer that's the that's very uh sentimental and like it just makes you it's so emotionally manipulative yeah I, I, I just, I hate a Hans Zimmer score. It just, it irritates me. And I find it slightly insulting. Like, I know how feelings work. I know that I'm supposed to be moved by this scene. I don't need your music, your shitty music telling me yeah. that this is heartbreaking. So I fucking know Zimmer. So in one regard, it has kind of like the Spielberg feel to it, where it's like, 
they're definitely doing, you know, a nod to the Academy with it. But at the same time, there's these little artistic flourishes that McQueen puts in. Like, I mean, just right off the bat, when the when the film starts and just shows them all standing in the, the line and then the camera goes and you're going through the, the sugar cane. Mm-hmm. Like, that looks yes. amazing. And there are several, several times that the camera work and the, the cinematography just looks so good that it it kind of has it makes it feel like an art more like an art piece than just some sort of mainstream narrative about this um the, the main character yeah but also oh, yeah. and they did this several times throughout the movie was the when they would cut like uh the, the first time that i think i noticed it was when paul dano was singing the song and then, oh, uh, but yeah. and then they would cut That's, to Benedict Cumberbatch doing like the sermon. That was amazing. amazing. And that, to me, that's like that, especially that scene where Danos, he gets the slaves to start clapping and then he sings that awful, awful song to them and it cuts away and it, you know, it shows them, I think it goes through like them working and a couple other shots, but that Danos singing that song is still playing. It's sort of soundtracking the subsequent images that you're seeing. And to me, that's when it was really, really, I mean, just emotional and powerful. When you do that, I thought that that was much better than using the Zimmer score. That's the only thing that I wish McQueen did more of. Like, got rid of the Zimmer score, because I think that it was absolutely more powerful when you did things like that or when you had the brutality and, like, silence. I think it's much more powerful that way than with your bullshit Zimmer score. I agree. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I just, I wish people would realize that. Knock it off with Zimmer. Let's put Zimmer out of business, please. Hmm. Uh, speaking of the, the brutality, one of the big, one of the other big scenes involves, uh, it was a whipping scene. I don't want to talk about it. Near the end it. of the film. And I don't want to. Uh, it had to be one of the most brutal scenes I've seen in a movie, like, for a very long time. I mean, it, it is exactly, well, not exactly, but it's nine years since I cried at a film. Then 12 years, a slave did it. Yeah. That was incredibly powerful. That scene, Michael Fassbender too. What a dick. He's, he's a bit of a dick. What a dick. Little <laughs> guy's fucking asshole. Yeah. He was, he is an asshole. Um, yeah, that whipping scene is just downright brutal. I mean, he, he makes Solomon do the whipping, which is, that's just awful. Yeah. And just the, the sound of it and just the way it was shot, too. That, yeah, that was the other the, thing. Like, with the, the, long, the long take and how it was just sort of going around in a circle from Fassbender to his wife to Solomon to Patsy being whipped and just, ugh. And then showing the back, like, as it, and the best, I think, was the framing where you're showing Solomon doing the whipping, and it's just over Patsy's shoulder, and you see the whip hitting her, and just the little spurts of blood, mm-hmm. yeah, flying off of her back. I thought that was just he nailed it there. But that goddamn that scene when I cried, wh- and I, like I lost it. I just lost my shit. I pretty much almost vomited like three times. <laughs> and after a while, I couldn't. I couldn't watch. It. I couldn't watch it anymore. I had to shield my eyes. But you still hear the whipping yeah so i just turned into a baby crying i'm just imagining a, seeing you in the in the theater just it's a, yeah that down. was it's a it's been nine years since the film has made me cry there it was yeah well that was uh it's it's only it's only happened three times in a film uh, that i've cried i cry all the time in movies so it's pretty normal for me <laughs> i didn't actually and i then, didn't actually cry in this one at all i got I got choked up during that scene, but it, the the tears didn't come. Yeah, I just I lost my shit. Not in the usual way that I lose my shit. Right. Lost my shit emotionally. Well, it was a very emotional film uh, as a whole. Uh, very emotional. It was quite a quite a journey that you take, and the fact. And that I also I also cried when Brad Pitt opened his mouth. Yeah, I should in a, in a I should put that in there. <laughs> I think it, but uh, back to the uh, the performances, the the unknown that plays Patsy. Oh, she is uh, fantastic. Lupita Young or Young Young Lupita Young. I don't, I don't even know how to pronounce her name. 
But man, she killed it. Yeah. She was unbelievable. And she better get fucking nominated. Or I'm going to lose my shit. I'm going to come after the Academy. If that doesn't happen. I didn't even recognize Quavenjanae Wallace in this. Like I, I didn't. Either. I completely forgot that she was in it until afterwards. I mean, I'm. She was one of the kids. I would imagine. I th- yeah, she was. Uh, I think she was Solomon's daughter. Yeah, but I didn't even recognize her. Um, the the other performance, uh, Sarah Paulson. She was evil. She was ruthless. Evil. Yeah, that she scene... was scary. She was scarier than. And her throwing that yeah, decanter? Yeah, that's exactly what I was just going to say. What? That scene, when she threw that... Where the fuck did that come from? Like, holy crap. And, and that's the thing, like, everything in this movie looked so real, too, and sounded so real, that you're just like, holy crap, like, that actress just picked up that, that decanter and hit that other actress in the face with it. Like, for real. Because it just exactly. looks so real. And, like, at the beginning, when they first kidnap him and they're beating him, and they're like they're beating his back and they're whipping yes. him like that looks so real oh yeah uh his performance in that scene was unbelievable just the way that he was able to express the pain of getting beat like that and you know that the paddles breaking yeah it's like every like shadows oh, and good lord just crazy just crazy now do you think <laughs> do you think that having such a a, a, a huge cast of very talented people. Do you think that they were like wasted at all in this with, with the small roles that they have? Or do you think that the way that they did it was, was good? I think the way, the way that they did it was pretty good. I think this is one of those films, you know, one of these ex- uh, opportunities that only sort of come by, you know, like once in a lifetime or, you know, maybe once every 10 years, something like that. So I have a feeling that it's more of the actors like they they wanted to be in this so bad, right? That they they'll just they'll take any part. They don't care. They just want to be in it. They want to be a part of it. Yep. Yeah. So yeah. I think I think that it worked out pretty well. I mean, I don't I don't know if they were necessarily wasted because I don't know. Well, the way that I look at it is it's it's not it's about Solomon's journey. So of course, throughout his lifetime he's going to meet people and people are going to come in and out of his life and they're going to affect it in really, you know, profound ways. And that's just kind of how I looked at it. I mean, I, I did on pretty much like every two minutes, I was hoping that it would go, uh, Django and Oh Jane. my God. Yeah. That was the, that was the thing. I just, <laughs> I just wanted that to happen so fast. Especially during like the Paul Dano stuff. I was like, Oh man, I hope we get to see these fuckers get killed in the worst. And Sarah Paulson too. I was like, man, I hope there is some sort of uprising and we see her get killed. But no. I mean, if Dana does get whipped, which that felt was so amazing. Fucking good. That was amazing. That especially because he was like screaming and crying like a little girl. Yes, which was uh fuck you Paul Dana. No, he was great too. I, Paul Dana. He was he was great. He's awesome. I feel like Paul Dana is just killing it in everything he's been in recently. The only thing I have a feeling with Paul Dano, it, it feels like he's sort of digging himself a hole here. He keeps playing some of the sort of the same character. He's sort of typecasting himself. I think I, I saw an article online recently that said uh, Paul Dano on why he has such a punchable face. <laughs> <laughs> he does. Yeah, well, you, he, he does. just plays a dick in everything. Which reminds me of that what was that Kids in the Hall sketch with the guy? It was like a courtroom skit. Oh, yeah. But I remember that. <laughs> they, talk, they talk about he just has a punchable face. You can't help it. Uh, I feel as though that is a thing. So any final thoughts on 12 Years a Slave? You gave it a 9. I gave it a 9. This is probably going to be strong contender for pretty much every Oscar category out there, I would say. And we're... Yeah. One final question: Where does this stand for you, as far as Steve McQueen's filmography? Um, it's a, it's a light years better than Shame. Much, much better than Shame. Well, I'm glad you said shame. that because I didn't even. Sh- yeah, I, I didn't Shame even is like Shame. So Shame was the. Um, uh, I think Hunger is still better. I think from a, a storytelling standpoint and a technical standpoint, 
because for me, 12 years of slave didn't, it didn't wow me that much on the technical aspects. I think that most of the flaws of the film were in the technical arena for me. I mean, there was a couple scenes that he nailed it. Um, another one being <clears throat> when Fassbender gets Solomon out at night after Garrett Dillahunt screws him over and they're doing it, you know, by lamplight. Mm-hmm. And it's talking about, you know, I heard that you, you're trying to get a letter mailed and this and that. Just the, the way that that was shot and the way, you know, Fassbender turns his back and walks back to the house and Solomon's just engulfed in darkness. I thought that that was fantastic. But a lot of the other scenes just, they seemed very uh, pedestrian to me. There's nothing that really wowed me. There were a couple things. I, I love how they did the, the, the title card too. Like how it just popped up at the beginning. I like, I like that. I liked it when they showed the letter burning and how... Everything, oh, yeah, everything they, was black except like the all you could see were like the ambers of the the letter burning. That was quite nice. He, de- I, I do have to give McQueen that he does. He always stays on a scene just a little bit longer than other people do. Oh yeah, which I always, I always want directors to do that. It seems like they always miss these opportunities to, to linger on a frame. I think that, but McQueen yeah. doesn't miss that. Uh, well, I think that that is problematic for some people too. Like, I could tell in my theater, like, during that hanging scene, there was a scene where it was just focused on Solomon's face for, like, a really long time as well. And there was another scene, uh, I think he was, like, in the field or something, and I think it was towards the end, and they just, they kept that camera there for, like, for so long. And I think that makes people uneasy. Good. Right, which which I'm... Good. I don't. I don't think it's a problem. I like that he does that, but I think that sort of for some people they have a problem with it. It makes them feel anxious or impatient. Yeah, yeah. I, I definitely get that. I just. I mean, it's it's not often that you get a film that makes you want to vomit, cry, <laughs> vomit, cry, <laughs> just like bowling and vomiting at the same time, <laughs> and just wishing that. The world didn't exist. Oh my god! Yeah, the world the world was a pretty awful place. I mean, it still is, but it's man, st- yeah, it still is. It's been, and that, that's the sad thing of this is that slavery will always exist. It's never going to go away. It just affects different people. Because I mean, there's still slavery today. There is, but at least we're not going through this stuff in our country. No, we are. It's here. I mean, you have sex slaves everywhere. That's true. Can't argue with that. Fuck, fuck you, humans. The fuck is wrong with you? Disgusting. Also, it's also crazy that this was a true story, too. I mean, I never read... read I, but that was the other thing. I'm glad that you said that. That's the other thing. I'm really pissed off at my school right now. Yeah, why... And all schools, really. Why are we not fucking taught this? I never even heard of this book. That's a problem. Me neither. That's a problem. The f- what the hell is going on? I had to read fucking Our Town... Our town, yes, I remember that. But I, or fucking the house on Mango Street. But I didn't read Twelve Years a Slave. Why? Why is that? I don't know. That's a that's a really good question. Well, there you have it. If it is playing in your area, please go out and see Twelve Years a Slave. It is, it's a hard movie, but it is one of these movies that I think is an absolute must see. This is this is one of these movies that I feel like they should be playing in schools. You know, yes. and they, they never will because there's violence and nudity, but it's a movie that I feel like they should be yeah. playing they, in schools. Yeah, they definitely, they definitely should, uh, yeah, they should be part of the curriculum. This and the book. The fuck? Come on, schools. At least the book. Yeah. Are you kidding me? Yeah. All right. Well, I think that'll do it. Uh, did you have any, any closing thoughts on 12 Years a Slave? Brad Pitt, what the fuck? Brad Pitt, what the fuck? <laughs> Seriously, what, what? What? I mean, my God, you you fucked up this movie big time. Did that affect your? Did you? that affect your score? Would you have given it like a nine and a half or ten? Have it had it not been for Brad Pitt? I I I tried to. No, it didn't affect my score because I I understood probably like the behind the scenes of McQueen. Like, I mean, he probably got a shit ton of money from Brad Pitt. Well, plus, Brad Pitt yeah. probably wanted to really be in the movie. That was probably like a stipulation. That he had to be in the movie. Plus, they can say Brad Pitt's in it, which immediately yeah. sells tickets. 
So, I, I mean, I understand that he, he had to compromise there. I was just, I mean, but Pitt, what the fuck, man? Just put a little effort into it. My God. It's like he didn't even fucking try. Mm. He, he reminded me of an Amish man. <laughs> he, d- he did. He, he, his acting was that of the, the Amish people on Amish Mafia. <laughs> <laughs> oh god uh yes i would agree with that wholeheartedly yeah all right i think that'll do it for 12 years of slave go check it out let's go over this week's predictions we didn't actually predict anything last week because there was no i was no gonna big, i was no thinking of, i was thinking about that th- this weekend Nothing came out, right? It was the yeah, it was pretty much the perfect weekend for me to go on vacation <laughs> because nothing the only thing that came out was Best Man's Holiday. Did you which, see that while you were in New Orleans? No, I didn't. Oh, no, come I on. Didn't. You know but what's it, really funny? Just real quick. I just popped on Rotten Tomatoes here, and you know what there's an advertisement for? Nope. Amway. <laughs> what the fuck? It's, it's because they heard you talk about it, man. God damn NSA! Yeah. Jeez, they heard you talking about it. I didn't even know Amway was still a thing. Well, the interesting thing about the Best Man Holiday is that it cleaned up at the box office this weekend. It it knocked off Thor, I think. Wow. This weekend, so wow. yeah, it uh, did really good. Wow. Anyway, next week we have <laughs> Hunger Games Catching Fire. Ooh, can you? Can you catch fire? Well, the thing about this one is it's getting really good reviews. They lifted the embargo off of this one, and so the reviews are starting to come in, and they're saying that it's like leaps and bounds above the first one. I'm going to go out on a limb right now and say that it's pretty much like the first one. I don't know. Just in quality. Well, just because I read the book. That's right. Yeah, you read the It is a very different movie than okay. the first one i'll, I'll right. say that much it is the content the subject matter it's very very different so i don't know maybe it'll be good i'm sure i'll be seeing it because i saw the first one i'm a completionist and i know plus my, plus my girlfriend wants to see it so i i'm gonna i'm not looking forward to it though Dude, i remember not. the first time that i went to when i saw the first one just the theater and oh my god just being oh, jam packed and yeah, it was waiting packed. forever. That was terrible. I don't feel like going through that again, but I will. Yeah, hopefully it'll be good. I don't know. I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say like eighty on that. Oh, you bitch! I was gonna say eighty. I'm gonna go seventy-nine. Seventy-nine. Okay. Right. Uh, we also we also have Delivery Man, which is the Starbuck remake. Ah, uh, do yourself a favor. Starbuck is playing sit on Netflix. Just do that. Save yourself some money. And I heard pretty bad things about Delivery Man as well. So, oh, Vince Vaughn, what happened? I don't know. That's a good question. He owes somebody a lot of money. What are you thinking on Delivery Man? Uh, thirty-four. Hmm. I'm gonna say I'll say thirty-six on Delivery Man. And then finally, we have Philomena, which is now rated PG-13. It what? Was, yeah, it was going to be rated R for some reason. And then the Weinsteins threw up a fuss about it because there's only two uses of the F word in it. And it's, <laughs> Oh, it's, yeah, that's right. I remember reading about this. It's essentially a family film. And it's, yeah, they, it's <laughs> they so made it ridiculous. rated R. <laughs> it's so ridiculous. I mean, did you see the trailer for this? Yeah, I know. <laughs> stars Judy Dench. Are you kidding me? Oh God. What are you thinking on Philomena? I'm thinking like a eighty eighty two. I think this is gonna be a darling of the critics. Oh yeah. So this is gonna, gonna be uh what was the one from last year? The what was the, the hotel one? Oh what's that oh, called? Uh damn it. Exo- best exotic marigold hotel. <laughs> That's the most ridiculous name for a film I've ever heard. Yeah, that's this year's all those words that you just said. Yeah, yeah. I I could also see it being similar to the King's Speech. Like there, I think that there's some similarities there because I remember that was originally rated R too. 
I mean, Hollywood goes nuts for their fun, uplifting <laughs> British films. Oh God, I'm gonna say 87 on that one. I think it's. I think people are gonna eat that one up for some reason. Yeah, they. Both. I have no desire to see it. It doesn't. No, I, no. I, no. I, and I'm a big fan of Steve Coogan too. So, but it just does not appeal to me in the slightest bit. Uh, next week on video on demand, we have is the tall man is the man who is tall happy? <laughs> For some reason, I had a hard time saying that. Would, would, that's the one. That's the Michelle Gondry one with uh, Noam Chomsky. God, I want to see that. I'm very excited for that too. I think it looks pretty interesting. It looks fun. It's, it looks like a good. Um, what was that piece of shit called? Waking life. Wake, waking life. It looks yeah. like a good waking life. It it does have a kind of a similar uh, similar feel to it, I think. And uh, we also have Kilimanjaro, which is the that that one premiered at South by this year. It has an awesome poster. I, I know. Yeah, I, I like the poster a lot for that too. I am interested in that. I think it looks like it could be good. And yeah. finally, Ill Manners, which is a UK film. This actually came out a while back in the UK, but it's just now coming out here in the states. I think it's like a crime drama or maybe a crime thriller, something like that. I, I don't know too much about it. It's, it's the lives of four drug dealers, one user, and two prostitutes. That seems like a lot of lives. Oh, boy. That's oh boy. that's seven people right there. I'll probably check it out. I, I like I like my British crime dramas. There you go. Next week on DVD and Blu-ray, we have Two Guns. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that's... That's one of the big ones next week. Two guns. Two guns. <laughs> uh, also, All is Bright, which <laughs> looks really not very good. Uh, Crystal Fairy, which I was not that into. And While We Were Here, which I don't know anything about. Kate Bosworth is in it, so that means it's not good. Yeah, doesn't look very good. Drew, The Man Behind the Poster, which is the documentary about Drew Struzan. Drew Struzan. I'm pretty, I really want to see that. I'm pretty excited to see that. Uh, Paranoia, which I think got like a 2% or something on Rotten Tomatoes, or like a 4. That's the <laughs> one with Harrison Ford. That's looks, what, I think we labeled that Manila folder number 4 or 5. Looks really bad. Yeah, it's, that's just pure formula right there. Yeah. And the to-do list, which is the Aubrey Plaza comedy that, that, that Ryan is apparently like loving. Ryan's <laughs> all about it. That's a, I didn't know that that was directed by Bill Hader's wife. Oh no, I didn't know that either. That was her directing debut. Uh, we have Disney's Planes, which was supposed to be out on DVD and Blu-ray ages ago, and they decided I, that it was good now, enough to hit theaters. Now I remember that was in my top ten. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> mm, I'm a genius. Violet and Daisy, which I heard pretty bad things about. I think that's Sorcerer Ronin, right? She's in Yeah. There. Mm-hmm. Doesn't look very good. We're the Millers, which I can attest to that is not very good. And finally, The World's End, which you never saw, did you? No, not yet. I'm so excited. So excited. Did you say the act of killing? Oh, no, I didn't see that on the list. Yeah, that's on there. Oh, Act of Killing. Probably one of the best films of the year. Yeah, but it's, uh, it's a movie that you'll see once and then try to never think about ever again as long as you live. That is correct, because it will haunt you forever. Yeah, the worst thing is I'm probably getting that through Draft House. Cause you're going yeah, <laughs> to get that. Send it to me. And as, get... soon, as soon as you open up your mailbox on that day... It's just going to be depression for the rest of the day. I probably won't even open it from the shrink wrap, honestly. I'll just keep, put it in my collection. <laughs> just bury it in your backyard. Bury it, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to put it in my freezer and just leave it there forever. Uh, All right, any good. others that I missed? Uh, there's one Criterion coming out, which is maybe perhaps one of the you know best films ever, which is Ozu's Tokyo Story. It's coming out on three-disc. Blu-ray, dual format Blu-ray DVD. All right, well, I think that that'll wrap it up. For all the latest film news and reviews, visit us at filmpulse.net. Send us an email at feedback at filmpulse.net. Follow us on Twitter at filmpulse.net, and be sure to rate us on iTunes. We appreciate that very much. 
Reformpulse.net. My name is Adam. I'm Kevin. <laughs> the draw now. <laughs> Kevin. Oh, we will see you on Thursday for Ryan Watches a Movie. <laughs> uh. a giant pyramid scheme no <laughs> no they're legit it's a good way to make money <laughs> they're completely legit <laughs>